0: What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, June twenty second, two thousand and fifteen. As always, broadcasting from the Bean Town Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. And it reminds me, as I look into the store from this state of the art studio, that July fourth is almost here—the Fourth of July. Almost here. I know the perfect place where you can get your gear. How about that for a rhyme? Beantown Athletics specializes in custom uniforms and business apparel, but make sure you come by, get your 4th of July gear right here, Beantown Athletics. Give them a call, 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Also follow them on Twitter at Beantown underscore dot, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Beantown Athletics, also on Instagram at Beantown Athletics. That's where they'll be posting pictures of all the T-shirts and everything that you can get right here in the shop. Also, it's the only in-house union screen printer in Boston, so again, make sure you give them a call, 617-282-4181, and make sure you tell them that I sent you. So, um, busy weekend, had a lot going on had a wedding on Saturday, so I missed the Red Sox game on Saturday night, but I saw the highlights and the most amusing part, if you're looking for an, amusement, an amusing part. And, by the way, uh, Leo Rusk, Casey O'Brien, congratulations. Good friends of mine. Got married over the weekend. Great time. Great time. I think I might be working on a multi-day hangover here, by the way. That's when you know it was a good time. Um... The Red Sox on Saturday night did not have a good time. I wasn't able to watch it, but they blew a lead. Porcello blew that lead after a big win on Friday. Now, they ended up turning things around and winning yesterday, actually crushing the Kansas City Royals yesterday. They win two of three in Kansas City. The Red Sox have now won three of four. But the problem is they only gained one game in the East standings. They are nine games out. The teams ahead of them, everybody, Blue Jays, Orioles, Yankees, Rays, the Rays are in first place, Yankees one game behind them, Orioles three games behind them, Blue Jays also three games behind them, the Red Sox in last place with a 31-40 and 40 record, nine games out. So you can look at this stretch, say nice job, you win three of four, you win two of three in Kansas City, which is uh, a team that's 12 games above five hundred, a team that's In first place in the AL Central, a team that by the looks of it is going to have everybody in their starting lineup starting for the American League in the All-Star game. That's just the way the fan voting (laughs) looks like it's going. Not that it should be that way, but that's the way it looks like it's going. Um, That's a good series for the Red Sox. But again, the problem is it's too late. You're, You're still nine games out. You need to go on an even better run than this, winning three or four. And you need a whole lot of help from the teams that are ahead of you. And I'm just not sure that you're going to get all of that help, combined with the fact that I'm just not sure this stretch is going to get any better than winning three of four. Uh, The Orioles now come to town. Uh, The Red Sox will have today off. They get back at it tomorrow at Fenway tomorrow night. Ubaldo Jimenez, righty for the Orioles, will go up against Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly, again, I just. I just don't know. Now he's pretty good against the Orioles. He's all right. <laughs> it's better than some of the numbers I see from him. He's one and one with a three point three two ERA in three career starts against the Orioles. So Red Sox with today off, but Saturday night Red Sox they blew that lead. Porcello on the mound had a terrible inning. You get a terrible throw from, from Pablo Sandoval. Uh, he gets hurt. Swihart got hurt this weekend. Sandoval, Swihart, day to day. But Saturday night, David Ortiz with one of the funnier ejections you'll see. One of the, now it wasn't funny for the Red Sox. But, you know, you wanted to. That was in the seventh inning. You'd like to see his bat stay in the lineup if you did have a potential comeback as you trailed seven of four after leading the game early on. Um, Ortiz gets ejected. Right, he gets a base hit. He was arguing the whole at bat with the umpire about balls and strikes or at least showed uh, some dissatisfaction. He gets, he flips the bat. He gets the first. He's saying to the umpire, as he's standing on first base, he's saying, this guy doesn't need any help. He throws 100 miles an hour. This guy doesn't need any help. And Ortiz said it sort of in a, he didn't look that pissed off, right? And the umpire, throw, home plate umpire throws him out. Ortiz is standing on first, puts his arms up in the air, and then Farrell comes out. John Farrell comes out, gets in the ump's face. He's going, what are you doing? We need Ortiz in the lineup in the ninth inning. We have a comeback. You're going to take his bat out of the lineup? He's put a couple balls in the seat slightly. We might need that. You're going to throw him out of the game? Ortiz walks down as he's walking back to the dugout. <laughs> right, He says, what's going on? You got to explain to me. And the, the ump says something about being too sensitive. Or well, someone says that. Someone says someone's too sensitive. I don't even know who at this point. It doesn't matter. Ortiz then does the, he mocks the ump, and he throws the ump out of the game. He, he gives the hand, and he points at a crowd, right? He, you know how they do it. You're out of there. He gives them the, you're out of there, hand signal. I thought it was great. I, now, I just recently saw the highlight of it. You heard that he gets kicked out, but the highlight of it is great. Uh, so that was entertaining. More entertaining, than the Red Sox blowing a lead. You know, really, you look at that game, you say, "Hey, this should have been a sweep. Should have been a clean sweep. Didn't happen." But they did bounce back nicely yesterday. A huge offensive day, and um, uh, you know, you look at the, you got a great pitching performance as well. But right now, the Red Sox, as I mentioned, it's still not. It's still not good enough. Uh, you you need more. You know, you need more from your own team moving forward. I know there's a lot of baseball left to be played, but there's also a lot of baseball left to be played for these other teams, and I'm not sure I'm looking at every team above the Red Sox thinking that all these teams are just going to collapse. I don't, I don't see that. I actually think the division's better than people are giving it credit for. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, credit to Miley yesterday, six another strong performance after, you know, two now very solid outings after that outburst in the dugout in Baltimore. And uh, speaking of the Orioles, again, they come to town. Red Sox have tonight off. Uh, they'll begin a set at Fenway tomorrow night. Joe Kelly versus Ubaldo Jimenez. Then Bud Norris, the ready for the Orioles. Goes up against Clay Buchholz on Wednesday night. And then Thursday afternoon, getaway day. Uh, Miguel Gonzalez against Eddie Rodriguez. 135 first pitch on Thursday afternoon. And then the Red Sox will go to Tampa to begin a weekend series on Friday night at the truck so we'll keep an eye on the socks you know how i feel i think the season's over i think as i mentioned you just want to feel good about this team and then you look at the standings and you see that there's still nine games out it's just too little too late it is sorry someone had to say it too little too late what else do we do this weekend oh the golf u.s open love a good golf tournament love watching a major a lot of people complaining about the Fox broadcast on this one. Now, Jordan Speeth wins the tournament. Credit him. But also, credit Dustin Johnson for completely choking on 18 yesterday. Uh, you know, he has, what was it, 10, 12 foot for eagle to win the tournament. As Jordan Spieth is in the clubhouse. So, you know, only one stroke better than Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson makes an eagle putty, wins the tournament. Puts it close enough, birdies, he ties, and we get an 18-hole playoff today. I'm so glad there's no 18-hole playoff. I'm so glad Dustin Johnson not only missed the eagle putt, but also then missed the very short birdie putt and completely choked in front of everybody and gave Jordan Speeth his second straight major. Speeth went to the Masters and didn't even give anybody a chance to win that, right? He didn't give anybody a fucking shot to win the Masters, Jordan Speeth. He gave Dustin Johnson a shot to win this one and Dustin Johnson couldn't pull it off. I'm so glad he couldn't and I'm so glad he missed the eagle and the birdie putt and that there's no 18-hole playoff today because I cannot sit there and watch any more golf from Chambers Bay. I can't. Now, people complain about the Fox broadcast. I'm sorry. You know, it's, it's it's obviously not as good as NBC... It's not as good as the golf channel when it's, when it's on there a little bit. It's not as good as CBS. It's not, right? I mean, we've, we've come to know Jim Nance as the guy. He's, you know, he's the guy. He's the golf guy. And when it's not Jim Nance, we just, you know, it's, it is tough. It's tougher to watch. And Fox broadcast, here's what they did. Here's what the Fox broadcast did. They tried too hot. They, they tried way too hard. To, to reinvent the wheel when it comes to golf coverage, that's it. They tried too hard. You know we're all going to sit there and criticize people for things that they say in the broadcast uh, I just think you know behind the scenes, they just as a group, Fox sports tried way too hard. We just want golf coverage the way we always see it. We don't need it to change, and I think that's what fox tried to do they tried, They tried to change the the coverage and i I don't know why. I don't even even necessarily know how. It just felt like they were trying too hard to give you something a little bit different. But while it did look like that, and I, you know, I, I say that because I mean it. Fox tried too hard. The toughest part of the broadcast and watching this tournament this weekend was watching the golf course. Like, this tournament could have been on CBS. It could have been on NBC. It could have been Jim Nance. And I still would have told you, i 'm sick and tired of watching this tournament because chambers bay i I know that they want to make the u s open courses difficult to play on the most it 's the most difficult tournament for that reason. I get that, but there's making courses difficult and then there's making the professional golfers in a major in any tournament is making them play on this shit piece of shit course it 's a piece of shit. Golf course. I wouldn't run a wiffle ball tournament at Chambers Bay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't run a wiffle ball tournament at Chambers Bay. I just wouldn't do it. Uh, it's, it was just, it's brutal to watch. I couldn't do it. I, I mean, the, and people who want to complain about the golfers complaining, I don't, what do you mean? These guys are professionals. They're used to playing at the best courses in the world. And you're going to make them play on this? That is, that's horse shit. That's a piece of shit course. It's embarrassing. And and I was almost embarrassed for these guys watching this tournament. I I couldn't watch. I couldn't keep paying attention to this. It was brutal. You know, it was just, it was tough to watch. And not just because of the broadcast. Because any channel could have, at the end of the day, any channel could have put this piece of shit course on the TV. And I would have had a tough time watching. It was stupid. It was absolutely stupid. Uh, and I hope they never go back to Chambers Bay. I don't know who would. Pete, if you asked me to golf tomorrow, next weekend, and I said, hey, where you going? Ready? Pete, ask me to golf. You want to go golfing this weekend? Uh, yeah, where, where are we going? Uh, Chambers Bay. Okay. Uh, actually, you know what? I got to do laundry. Uh, actually, I got to do laundry Saturday morning. Free round? No, I Nah, you know what else I got to do? I I got to go wash my mother's car. I got to wash my father's car after that. And I think I might have to water their flowers for a bit. I won't be able to do it. Sorry. Chambers Bay? Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, I, look, I only golf at Franklin Park here in Boston. Are they going to let me golf for free because I give them a mention? No. It's better than Chambers Bay. <laughs> it's better than Chambers Bay. Uh, But Jordan Spieth, congratulations. What a run this kid's having. Again, he goes to the Masters. Doesn't give anybody a chance to win the green jacket. He takes that thing after the second day. And here he is winning the U.S. Open. All right, 21 years old. He's going to have a nice little career. Tiger Woods. Not not too good for Tiger Woods. He falls on his ass. See that video? Just him falling on his ass. I, I don't know what it is. I really don't. I really don't know what it is. And Then he tried to hit one like Spider Man in a Spider Man <laughs> crouch. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I, I've I, I have no more explanation for it. I just don't get it. I just I really don't. I don't know what to say other than he's a mental case. Like uh, right? I mean, in his head, he's just like he doesn't he can't control his emotions mentally anymore. Is that it? I mean, believe anybody who knows golf, and I'm not. You don't even need to be. You don't need to be a professional to know this. In fact. It's almost like we can us as non-professional golfers can relate to his struggles right now. Right? It makes him look human because I think we can relate. Like I don't know that any other pro golfers can relate because a lot of guys are so used to okay, mentally you get it. It's a, it's a tough game mentally. If you make a mistake, you know, that can mess up your swing, it can mess up your day, it can mess up your weekend, it might even mess up your year. Right? But these guys as professionals they're able for the most part to control those emotions and get them under check where they were able to turn things around. Eventually Tiger Woods just can't seem to do that. And I almost feel like I can relate to him because I mean, the littlest thing that happens to me and my, my day is ruined. You might as well, I might as well drive the car. I might as well leave the car with you guys. I'll walk back to the car. It's over. I'm gone. You lost me. You have fucking lost me. I'm not coming back. I don't care what you say to me. I don't care how many beers I have. This drive isn't going straight. And if the drive goes straight, whatever iron I'm hitting is going way left, way right, or way over the green, or might even go two feet in front of me. There's no helping me out at this point. That's Tiger Woods. Tiger should do a shoot around with one of those friends that always has tips for you. You know, the guy who sucks, but he's <laughs> yeah. always got a tip. Hey, what are you doing? You know, you're thinking doing, too much. Hey, you're taking your yeah. eye off the ball. No, I'm not. I see the fucking ball. Alright? What, what are you talking about? I'm looking at the ball as I hit it. Because I hit it! I just don't hit it the right way. Anyways, tough tournament to watch. Not and A lot of people f- crushing Fox. And while I do think Fox tried way too hard to give us something different when we don't want anything different, that combined with this piece of shit golf course that we had to watch all weekend was really the reason I couldn't watch. It was the course. More than the broadcast. In my opinion. That's just me. All right. Mike Giotti, Comcast Sportsnet New England. Uh, I caught up with him earlier this morning over the phone. I asked him about this golf course, Chambers Bay, what he thought about it. And then we got into some more serious stuff. Red Sox baseball. Also, uh, Tom Brady. His appeal hearing will be tomorrow on Tuesday. And if necessary, like they, I think they said the 25th as well, if necessary. Uh, Mike Giotti, I asked him what he thought would happen, what he thinks will happen tomorrow so listen to this conversation and then stick around afterwards uh I'll give you my thoughts on what I think is going to happen tomorrow Tom Brady and his four game suspension appeal enjoy the conversation stick around afterwards all right joining me now over the phone line is Mike Giotti from Comcast Sportsnet New England uh Mike what's going on how you doing today
1: What's happening, Danny? Uh,
0: not much. So before I get into you know the Tom Brady appeal and even some Red Sox here, um, I got to ask you: Did you pay any attention to the U.S. Open? I mean, do you follow golf at all? How much are you into that tournament over the weekend at Chambers Bay?
1: I watched some of it, but not a ton. I think actually um, the time thing threw me off. I don't mind afternoon golf. For some reason, I'm <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't watching as much at uh, the later uh, the later hours there.
0: Yeah, the course was, te- see, I had a problem watching because the course was so bad. It was like, what? it was, honestly, it was one of the worst courses I've ever seen. And usually, I, I don't, I've been, I've never had that reason to not watch a golf tournament, but it was so frustrating to watch. I'm sitting there the whole time wondering, why are they even playing on this course? I just, I just didn't understand it.
1: What you see was that I think it was uh, Poulter uh, tweeted out or Instagrammed a picture of, and he said, you know, that he's a lot of credit to the workers there and all this. He's like, but there was a picture of the ball in the green. And the green looked like my backyard. And uh, my backyard's a disaster. <laughs> I mean, it was it brown. Uh, it was chopped up. It just it, it looked horrible. And he, he said, basically, they they should apologize if this was a normal tournament during the course of the year, that – uh, a lot of guys would have withdrawn on Wednesday because of the conditions, but because it's a major, everybody says, you know, you're not going to withdraw. You just suck it up and you play the course and and you hope for the best. But uh, clearly they had some issues uh, or they did a bad job of taking care of it prior to or their directive from up above was such that uh, it prevented the course from, from being the kind of shape that you expect from – from a major tournament or from any really PGA tournament. I mean, think about it when you, when you turn on the TV on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon and you're watching the, you know, the third round or the final round, you're usually looking at these lush, beautiful golf courses. And that thing was, uh, you know, was Brown basically. I mean, it just, yeah, it didn't really have the same sort of feel. I think of, uh, a previous tournament.
0: No, it was brutal, and I said this before. I wouldn't run a wiffle ball tournament at Chambers Bay. That's how <laughs> That's how bad it yeah. looked. Uh, uh, but certainly, I didn't bring you on to talk golf, but I had to get your take because it, it's something that's fresh in my mind. And every time you look at a TV today, you see uh, the video of Dustin Johnson, who just absolutely yeah. choked in that moment. But uh, I, I brought you on to talk about some local stuff here. And the I'll start with the Red Sox, Mike, because they win two of three in Kansas City uh, yeah, they blew a lead with Porcello on the mound on Saturday, but they bounced back nicely yesterday. They have now won three of four. You know, the bad part is you win three of four, you win two of three in Kansas City, and you really only gain one game. You only gain one game in the standings. They're nine games back. They're still in last place. I'll ask you this: even with this three of winning three of four, is is it too late? Do you think is the season over for the Red Sox? Or, or how do you see this playing out potentially?
1: You know, I, I know that that's the – look, they haven't played well. Uh, they've disappointed in a, in in a number of areas. The pitching staff, which is something that we looked at at the beginning of the year and said just not good enough, has remained not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not so far back that it, it's impossible to think. Now, there would have to be changes. They would have to make a deal. They'd have to get a pitcher. You know, Rodriguez would have to continue to pitch his, his butt off. Maybe Johnson comes up from Triple A and, and provides the same sort of spark that Rodriguez has. You certainly have to figure out a way to get Rick Porcello back to to the Porcello of uh, the first half of last year. I mean, he's this is this is bad, and it's and it's concerning because you've made that long-term investment. But again, I don't I don't look at the rest of the AL East and say there's a team that's just going to run away with it. So you know, you're, you're back, you're down. You got a lot of a lot of ground to make up, but it's still, in my opinion, too early to say the season is over. I and mean, you got a you got a hundred games left. <laughs> That's not uh, or whatever it is, ninety games left. It's not it's not completely out of the realm of possibility.
0: No, but certainly, you know, you get that July thirty first date is circled on your schedule on your calendar if you're the Red Sox, and and there's moves that can be made if the organization thinks that they are down and out enough with they won't be able to get back into it um but I'll, I'll ask you this first I mean if you want to talk about moves to improve this team wh- what's in your what's in your head like what are you thinking you you say uh you know the kid Brian Johnson from the minor leagues and, and I agree I, I mean if Eddie Rodriguez can come up and produce you know why can't why can't he why can't Brian Johnson and at the same time I guess I kind of look at it as if well if you're going to make that move you sort of have to ship out somebody from this rotation just to get him out of town but I don't I wouldn't just cut someone I would try to make a deal and you know, I would try to trade someone even I'll say a Clay Buckholtz you know if there's some success here moving forward and it looks like you might be able to package him who knows with a couple prospects and get some get a get a good young pitcher in return I'd do that I'd be all for that Mike what type of move are you looking at
1: Yeah I mean I don't think that there's anybody that I look at on on that pitching staff, uh, any of the veterans that are untouchable. Mm. I mean, Miley's, Miley's salary is not obscene. Um, he's had some success again. He's he's had a couple of little runs of success here with the Sox. So, you know, the, the, the fear that you jump from the National League to the American League and you couldn't be an effective pitcher. Yeah, he had that horrible, whatever it was, four or five-game stretch, but he seems to have righted the ship. With his salary, I would think he would be someone who would be attractive to another team mm-hmm. because of his past history and 200 innings and, and those sorts of things. Buck Holtz is at pretty good cost control again for next year because there's a team option. So whether you want to keep him because he's under that cost control or somebody else says, Ooh, you know, we like that number and we think, you know, we're the team that can finally get the max out of him or we can take the roller coaster because it's an upgrade from what we have then he's someone I would consider shopping. Joe, Joe, I mean, really, there honestly isn't one guy in that rotation, aside from the young guys, that I wouldn't say, I'll listen. I'll listen, to, I'll listen about everybody. I'd listen to positional players. I'd listen about Napoli. I'd, um, You know, uh, and, again, I'm not sure what you get for him at this point because he's not had a very good year. But, but who knows? Again, all it takes is one team to look at him and say, you know what, the power is important to us, and we can give you a B-plus prospect for him those are the sorts of things that you have to consider as you go forward, and if you can't make up any more ground when you get toward July 31st.
0: Speaking with Mike Giotti, Comcast Sportsnet New England, joins me over the phone today here on the Danny Picard Show. Uh, Mike, I think the season's over. So I, I know you mentioned there's 100 games, and I never do this this soon, but this season's over. I've seen enough. I've seen them, you know, have opportunities to, you know, take a couple games and turn it into a positive four or 4-5 game win streak. They cannot do that. I mean, even though they win three or four here, hey, you saw Saturday, um, they blow another lead. I mean, I just, I think ultimately, and we're seeing it with the offense this month, we saw it in the first month. I think this offense, if you kept this offense the way it is, right, moving forward 162, I think they produce enough where we would be happy with it. I don't think ultimately they're going to pitch consistently well enough to get back into this thing, right? I just don't think so. And you mentioned Wade Miley. I look at him, and you know he reminds me of a—he reminds me kind of of a mock Burley, and that's not a bad thing. But no, I—I I, I guess I just still don't feel confident when he's on the mound because he has had a couple games this season where he has been yanked in the third, fourth inning. So that is always there, uh, at least with me when Wade Miley's on the mound. I'm with you. I would trade him. I would—I no, none of these guys in the rotation are untouchable. But given the fact that I believe this season is over, here's what I want to see them do. Okay, I want to see them. Because I go back to the, the Eddie Rodriguez trade, right? And and I need to give the Red Sox credit for this, Mike. I didn't want to trade Andrew Miller, and I had no idea that Eddie Rodriguez was going to be this good this soon. I, I just didn't. Yep. I, I mean, so when you see a trade like that, I, I wonder what they can get. You mentioned Napoli. I think he's gone. And if you if the Red Sox think the season's over, he's got to go. That's just that's an obvious business move, right? Yep. Uh, so. You know, you start to get into some of these pitches that we just talked about, too. I wonder what you could get from an organization, like a top prospect pitcher that could be ready to go by, you know, next year. And then you have a rotation of a, you know, Brian Johnson, Eddie Rodriguez, and this other top pitcher that you traded for. And who knows, at that point, maybe we are talking about Cole Hamels to add to that rotation. I mean, that's a pretty good beginning to 2016, wouldn't it be?
1: Yeah, I mean, you have the opportunity, like you said, if if, if you believe you're out, uh, you still have the opportunity to properly shape next year's team, and I would think that priority number one, two, and three when doing that would be to enter spring training next year with far better arms and far better ceilings on your pitchers than you did this year, and that was a colossal mistake, a mistake that we uh, brought up as the offseason was being shaped. We hammered it in spring training. We hammered it at the start of the year, and it's the thing, as you mentioned, that is really, despite the offense sort of disappearing in the month of May, um, it's really the thing that's held them back from ripping off any sort of streaks and and making any sort of challenge in the AL East at this point, and that's that that can't happen again. Now, the one thing you wonder, too, here is, um, and I know John Henry has said repeatedly that his guys are safe in Farrell and Charrington, but, you know, internally, he talked about there being some impatience. Now, my question is, much like with what happened with the Bruins, do they sit there and say, we're not going to let Ben uh, shop at the groceries if we don't think Ben's going to be back next year, yeah. or he's going to have to run it to other people? I, that's you know w- with the fingers and the that, that they've had in ownership that's had in this roster making process. That's something that if I was a Red Sox fan, I would be moderately concerned about because um, the impatience and the reliance on the on the the baseball nerds, if you will, in, in Topeka, Kansas, or wherever the heck Bill James is. That's that's got to be something that has to, to worry you a little bit because for three of the last four years, it hasn't gone even remotely, the way it should go with the payroll that they have.
0: Yeah, and I mean, look, I know the way it works in sports is that the manager, coach, you know, when you ha- when you keep struggling season after season, the guy gets fired. That's the guy to go. I-, I get that. I get that's how it works. But I, when I look at this Red Sox team, I don't look at Farrell as really the biggest problem here. I think this is a talent problem, and that comes back to the GM. And when you talk about the GM, you know, people will bring up the guys that he brought in offensively, Sandoval, Hanley Ramirez. You know, Hanley, not an outfielder, but they put him back there. Uh, Sandoval has made some terrible throws over to first base, including one this weekend, which he ended up getting hurt on. They say he's day-to-day. I'm a Sandoval guy, though, Mike. And, you know, we had the whole the whole Instagram situation. But let me give you a take <laughs> on that because uh, – I feel like we're in the same boat on this one. I, I'm, I don't know why the organization decided to, t- to say that, all right, we're going to let Pablo Sandoval admit to this <laughs> publicly. And then so we're also I, – I don't get why they could do that because it's clear to me, when you look at Sandoval's Instagram, somebody helps him do some things on there. Like, he doesn't – Sandoval's yeah. not putting those videos together, okay? He's not. No. Like, it's clear somebody helps him do that. So it's pretty obvious – to the people that uh, know about social media and Instagram. And, you know, you can have someone with your password control your shit for you. So uh, they should have went that route. I don't know why they didn't do it because, to me, it's just not that big. I think there was a major overreaction. And um, that's just for a guy that was hitting and was one, is one of the hottest hitters on the team, I, I just have a tough time sitting him because of that, to be honest. Yeah, you know, this is one of
1: those things where it, it became sort of a snapshot of the season. These, this, this roster of 100 and whatever it is, 90 million dollars worth of players. Um, this guy and Sandoval, who was brought over, and then you hear all these stories about how everybody in San Francisco, from a player standpoint, hated him. And well, Hanley's he's a dog. He's always been a dog. It just sort of became like that was the thing for people to grab onto and say, well, this is just the perfect microcosm of the season this is the perfect snapshot of what this group is all about they don't care about the craft it's a big bleep view to the fans you know that you'd be sitting on the toilet in the seventh inning clicking likes on Instagram when you should be supporting your teammates what have you I would have never ever in a million years let him say he did it he have been better off lying I'd have taken that to my great and "Well, I why he's being accountable no he's not being accountable that, that, that it didn't have anything to do with it. The Red Sox decided we looked like idiots. We've let our manager look like an idiot on numerous occasions. Now we're going to be tough. We're, we, we stuck our finger out. We were blow, figuring out which way the wind was blowing, and we realized we've been taking one hit after another, and our manager's been taking one hit after another. So we're going to be hard guys here, and we're going to sit them down for a game. It's unacceptable. Well, it's just it, it was asinine. The whole thing, the way they handled it, was asinine, and that's look. It's it's been that kind of year. I, I would have I would have told that guy to deny it until the cows come home because I don't think there's any way in hell you could have proven that he's the one who did.
0: Um, what would you do with the Sandoval Hanley situation? Because you know people are gonna look at this and whether they look at it now or they look at it in the off season, uh, people see say you need either need to move Hanley back to the infield. I mean, I think when Napoli's gone, maybe Sandoval goes to first because he clearly just can't make the throws. Um, yes. You know, I'd be okay with that. And you put Hanley back on that side of the infield and you put him at third base. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be completely opposed to that. I'd actually be all for it. You put Brock Holt in left field. You make him your everyday left fielder. Uh, you know, I, I think that's how I would handle it. But here's the guy I wouldn't move. I wouldn't move Sandoval. I, again, I, I like him. He's back, you know, he's hitting 270. I, I I just think that if you maybe could put him at first base, or maybe at some point if Ortiz is gone and he's your DH, I, I don't think he's a terrible hitter. I actually I give him credit here, for for dropping the right-handed hitter hitting stuff because clearly he was a left-handed hitter just holding a bat right-handed. It just it was it looked awful, but I, I give him credit for that adjustment. He's hitting even left-handed pitches now, lefty, so that's a good thing. And here's what I also know about Sandoval, Mike. I know that he's a big game player. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. So you, you can't yep. tell me anything about pressure or this or that. This is a big game player that has big hits in monster championship games. He's helped teams to championships, and I don't want to get I don't want to get rid of that guy. How would you handle the Hanley Ramirez Pablo Sandoval situation if we're going to call it that? Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm I, I'm not even remotely ready to move on from Sandoval. It wouldn't surprise me though if they tried to get a reset on Hanley and I'm not sure that that's the right thing to do because I think you look at the, the dirt power in baseball, you look at where Ortiz is at. And I know we've started to swing the bat better again. Um, and you say to yourself, you know, in an ideal world, he's your DH. You don't even have to worry about him picking up a glove and he's someone I believe he could, you know, you can keep him engaged. He's someone who can give you 35 and 100, or 30 and 100, um, and and you eliminate the the risk of him hurting himself in the field by having him just bat four times a game. Which I think, if push comes to shove, and you ask Henry Ramirez and you got him with the truth serum, what he really wants to do, that's really what he wants to do. He don't want to play the field. He just wants to, he wants to hit, and that's it. And so that that leads me to the question: Is where are you with where are you with Ortiz? How much longer are you willing to Go with this. Uh, how much rope does he get? I know he said he wouldn't accept the trade, um, but you know everything can be manipulated. If you start taking away a bathroom, he might very well accept the trade because he might want to say, "Well, screw you, I'll prove to you I can still do it." I just, I, I'm, I'm curious as to where they are with Ortiz and and how much rope he has at this point.
0: Would you move him? Would you trade Ortiz? Would you try to talk him into it?
1: Uh, you, much like you said about um, the the Rodriguez move and what, what can you get? I mean, I, it would be intriguing to me because mm-hmm. look, he's he's not getting any younger. Um, and this is the longest run of uh, lack of success, I guess, for for lack of a better phrase that he's had since when, I mean, since what, what year was that? 2010. Uh, when we thought maybe he was done, um, so you know, is he back at that point now, or is he? Is this the point where it's 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 finally happening? I I I don't know. I mean, I <laughs> it's hard to say because he's bounced back so many times over the course of his career, um, and he keeps saying, "Well, this will be the year." You know, he's he's 38 or 39, or maybe he's even older than that. We don't really know if we believe the birth certificate. So um, that that's really up to their baseball people, and that's a tough decision to make because he's meant so much to the franchise. Um, but you can't. To me, it's one of those things you can't get sentimental on. Um, and you know, if you if you grew up uh, with the '80 Celtics, they got sentimental on the McHale Parish Bird thing, and they could have moved McHale, and they should have moved McHale. And then you saw what the the most recent Celtics did. They didn't have any problem moving Garnett and Pierce, and they got you know for two aging players, they got a pretty good haul. So. I know we're talking different sports here, but, but I just think it's the philosophy. You, you, you can't look at these guys like they have to be Red Sox for life. They have to be so – you, you move on if you think the time to move on is there. And you, you move on if you think the value you're getting in return is something that you can't pass up. And that's – you know he, he could be an intriguing guy for somebody who's looking for a bat around the deadline.
0: Absolutely. And, and you know what, Mike? I'm sentimental with David Ortiz. Guy changed my life. I, he did. I love this guy. But um, you know what? I the the business side of this, and if we're gonna talk about this Red Sox team, you know, the next couple years improving and not being in the basement of the standings and not being a team that I'm already throwing in the towel in on the in the month of June, you gotta consider this. And I know what he says he's not gonna accept a trade, but I mean like you said, there's ways to manipulate that. Here's how you get a guy to accept the trade: you make him unhappy, and you make him basically <laughs> say, "Hey, this is a guy who obviously has a lot of pride." You make him unhappy to the point where he's trying to, you know, defend himself and and you know, hold on to his pride. He's going to say, "You know what? Fine, get rid of me. You don't want me, get rid of me." I think something like yep. that could happen. I'd have as as sentimental as I am with David Ortiz. You have got to at least. Think about it right now because, like you said, I definitely think there's a team that would take him in the American League and, and make him their DH for a serious playoff run. There's a, absolutely. And, and I say this all the time, too. Joe Montana finished his career in a Kansas City yep. Chiefs uniform, which means that that it can happen with anybody. And maybe that's the, the way I, I change this conversation um, to maybe the biggest conversation we're going to have all week in this town which is the Tom Brady conversation, right? The, the, the Tom Brady appeal conversation. I'm not, I don't want to talk about his future in a Patriots uniform, but I just want to talk about maybe this season. What do you expect in this appeal hearing? What's it, tomorrow, right? The 23rd? Yeah. Could, yep. could go to the 25th. Mike, what are you expecting to happen? Honestly, like what's your, what do you honestly think will happen tomorrow?
1: I don't expect Goodell to budge much, if at all um and then that leads you to the next question is um how far is brady willing to take it and i think that unless someone in the patriots organization and by someone i mean bob kraft can convince him that it's in the team's best interest for him to just stand down then i think he's going to take this thing as far as um and i've been saying this pretty much from the get-go he's going to take this thing as far as he can take it and if that means federal court that means federal court and that's Um, I mean, that's just crazy to think that we're at this point that we're, you know, we're looking at the potential of one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time having to go to federal court to fight a suspension over deflated footballs. But uh, I think that's the kind of year it's been for the NFL. I think that's the kind of way they've handled this whole case. They made it bigger than it should have been. And Tom Brady, and I feel like I can win. I'm going to – I will take you to the – to the last possible step and I will throw the last punch or every punch I have to make sure that I get this thing a race. Cause I think it, it, it matters to him. It's it's it, it matters to the people around him. And it actually probably matters more to the people around him than it matters to him, but it definitely has to matter to him because he's, 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 he's a good guy. He's done it on the up and up. Um, as far as we know, you know, and it just, there's nothing in his character to suggest that he's a, Cheater, and that's what he's being labeled as, and that's something that will stick with him for a long time, especially if uh, he stands down and accepts the suspension.
0: But do you think it gets knocked down at all?
1: I mean, I, I don't. I mean, don't. I, I, I and what and, you, and one of the reasons I say that is because again, with all the attacks on Goodell and the process and the Wells report, the the way that. Goodell has operated in the past leads me to believe that he's taken this personally. Now you're attacking him and his leadership and his rule and his and his people that he put in place to conduct the investigation and you're saying this was not done on the up and up and to me that you just you got his back up. And now you're really gonna have to, as he said, no, i Tom bring stuff to me and you know if he's got new information that I don't have and he can present it to me, then maybe I'll consider it. But I just, I mean, I just don't see it. I just have this feeling that it's, uh, and even if he does, if you're him and, and Goodell somehow kicks it down to say two, do you take two? I don't think he wants to take two. It's the same thing. That is that is the asterisk that goes next to your name and will be there for forever. And, and we, we around here are people that, have watched Brady and fans of the Patriots and fans of Brady, they will write that off. They will forget about that. They will laud him as the greatest quarterback of all time. It's it's the 90% that are here that have been looking to poke holes in the Patriots' reign for 15 years that will take that and will seize upon that at every chance they get. And that's that's why I think. If you think you can beat it, you, you got to fight it. You got to fight it till the very end.
0: Well, I mean, if there's one thing that Goodell can say though that that doesn't make him look terrible, if he does, you know, drop the suspension down or completely erase it. If there's one thing Goodell will be able to say after that, it's that at least from what they've told us, they've made it known that this isn't his suspension. This is Troy Vincent's suspension, right? So there's still sure. there's still that thing involved that gets me thinking. Well, maybe that's Goodell's way of saying, hey, when I do reduce this, I, you know, it doesn't make me look terrible because at the end of the day, I wasn't the one that gave out the suspension. I mean, do you think that, fa- that could factor in, in in any way? Because I was surprised to see them come out and say that, that this was Troy Vincent's suspension. I mean, come on now, in reality, Goodell yeah. signs off on
1: everything. They, oh, they absolutely gave it. He, he gave himself some legal room here. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, is nobody believes it's Troy Vincent's suspension. So mm. what are you really saving face with? Yeah. Not saving face with anyone around here or anyone who's connected with this. Um, anybody within the Patriots organization, any brave people, because they all know the buck stops with Roger. Come on, he's the, he's the tough guy. He's the he's the commissioner that's gonna he's gonna knock out crime in the league or whatever the heck he's trying to do. You know, I mean, the sheriff Cadell. That's they can say whatever they want about Troy Vincent, but the the people that are involved in this case, they look. Squarely at Roger Goodell and believe it's it's come from Goodell and we and come on it, it did come from Goodell. I mean, even if Vincent oversaw it, there's no way it didn't come across Goodell's desk and he'd say no too much or you, too little or no. There's there's no way that Goodell didn't completely sign off 100 percent on that or have a huge hand in, in how it was phrased and written and the length and the the entire thing.
0: All right, uh, Mike. Before I let you go, should we? Should we knock the media for not giving the uh St. Louis Cardinals, Houston Astros hacking situation investigation enough coverage? Or should we be praising maybe Major League Baseball uh for for not allowing this to get out of control? I, I don't really know where to, I don't know where to go with this because, you know, when you first hear this story, you think to yourself, oh wow, this is gonna be you know, every this is going to be one of those ones where every time you look up at the TV there's a new report and there's something getting leaked and the media is talking about it. It's almost a non-story now. And it's only a couple of days later and I don't even recall really seeing this to be major news on any of the networks. So, what should we be doing? Should we be blaming the media for not making this a big enough story? Or should we be praising Major League Baseball for maybe not allowing any type of leaks to get out there?
1: Yeah, I think you've got, I think it's both. I think you can absolutely praise Major League Baseball for Keeping things in house, which is the way the NFL used to do their business um, prior to Goodell and prior to this transparency that they they claim to have, um, where I mean, as as we know, the fallout of Deflategate was a was just a complete joke with the leaks back and forth, mm-hmm. um, and, and embarrassed the league, embarrassed the Patriots, embarrassed Brady. I mean, the, the whole the whole thing was handled so poorly, and now you look at this, and you're right. No one's talking about it. Um, so give them credit for snuffing out potential leaks because, um, you know, there there are plenty of people with the information in their hands that could just easily send an email or a text or I'm going to ship you something in the mail and you won't believe what you're going to see. <laughs> but then the other part of this is, yeah, wh- where is the baseball media on this? Uh, where's the national media on this? Dogging the Cardinals, this is a pretty um, – well, I mean, look, it's a federal offense. Yeah. You said, like, guys, be thrown in jail. I mean, that's, the FBI is involved. Uh, the FBI wasn't involved with the flaky. Um So uh, baseball media, I don't know if this is the, or the Cardinals are the model franchise, and people don't feel about the Cardinals like they feel about the Patriots, which let's face it, everybody pretty much hates the Patriots outside of, outside of New England. So, and, and Belichick is not exactly the most revered uh, man in sports and certainly in football. So, Yeah, where are they? The 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 job that they've done, the fact that this is going away, people should be hammering away at this, hammering away Mm -hmm. at this, to try to find out what happened. And you know, nothing. Like you said, it's it's dead. The case is cold right now.
0: Yeah, if you didn't know anything about the law in this country, uh, you would think that based on the media coverage that you know it was. You know, you can't deflate footballs, but you could certainly get away with maybe hacking into somebody's uh, systems and stealing information. Yeah, I mean, that, you, you would think that maybe the, the latter there, the, what the Cardinals did, was not as as bad as what the Patriots did. And that's, yeah, unfu- that's, that's unfortunate. That's pretty screwed up. Yeah, it is. All right, Mike. Listen, thanks a lot. Great stuff, as always. And uh, we'll see what happens with this Tom Brady appeal tomorrow, and we'll check back in with you soon. All right, Danny. Thanks, man. All right. All right, nice job right there by Mike Giotti, Comcast Sportsnet New England. Uh, He doesn't think that Tom Brady's suspension is going to get knocked down. Uh, I do. I think it'll get knocked down. And, I mean, I think it's going to get completely erased. I do. I think it's getting erased. Now, you keep hearing these reports. People keep coming out, and they're ripping apart the Wells report. Where were these people this, the day the Wells Report came out? I already did this ripping apart of the Wells Report. So I'm not going to give these other people credit. What are we giving them credit for? Because they read it? Now, they finally read it? Congrats. You finally are seeing the light. The light that a lot of us have seen since the day this bullshit report came out. I honestly believe that, you know, Roger Goodell, yeah, there's a reason why they made this thing in my opinion, the Troy Vincent punishment and not the Goodell punishment, even though we all know it was the Goodell punishment. There's a reason why publicly they were saying it was Vincent's, right? There's a reason why, in my opinion, Robert Kraft, you know, two days after reports of back-channel discussions between the Patriots and the NFL, a day after Robert Kraft was on a couch at a birthday party uh, laughing it up with Roger Goodell, Kraft and Goodell on a couch, uh, you know, uh, eating ice cream cake together, you know, there's a reason why a day after that, Robert Kraft gets, you know, behind a mic and says that he's going to accept all punishment for the, from the team. You know, I think that there's something going on there. I think that Tom Brady, is, I think he's going to be removed. I do. And if it's only knocked down to two, how far will he fight it? We'll see. I think there's the threat there that he's going to fight this thing all the way. That's why he's got one of the best teams, legal teams, going, right? That's what we hear. Guys who have taken down the NFL, taken down other leagues and other situations before. There's that threat there. You know, there's that that threat that, hey, these are my guys, and because these are my guys, you know the history of my guys, if you don't knock this down, this is going to get ugly for you. So maybe it's in your best interest as a league to knock this down to zero and completely— you know, wipe this thing out. I think that's going to happen. I do. I think that's going to happen. I think the league will take the Patriots' punishment and say, that's enough. We get it. You know, there was an overreaction here, and we should have never let it get this far. And at the end of the day, we understand that the Patriots won a Super Bowl because they want a Super Bowl having the best team. And we need to make sure that our game can get back to – and our fans can get back to understanding that that's why they won, that that's why this team and this group won championships, Right. And that for everybody involved, team, player, league, this is not a good story to linger on, especially into next season. So, I is that wishful thinking? Man, maybe maybe you could say that. Maybe you're gonna say that. But for the reasons I've always given, and and kind of just gave then a minute ago, I, I think this gets knocked down. I think we're. I think there's a very strong possibility that we're talking about Brady. You know, just completely. Just zero games. This is a guy that the league comes out and says, "We, you know, Tom Brady didn't do anything here. Um, we think that maybe the team had something to do with, you know, the the knowledge and not cooperating. And we and we know that how that works when you don't cooperate. What the the league does not like that, especially if you don't cooperate as much as they want. Look, the fans might not agree with that. Um, I might not agree with that, but." They gave some type of punishment because it does look like something. You know, the balls at least w- didn't go straight out to the field. That's a break of uh, the protocol. Look, do I think there should have just been like an email to the Patriots and that's it? Yes. But since you took it this far and you let that be known, maybe they, the league felt that, hey, um, that's, that's something that they needed to hand out. Look, the punishment, you know, it's, it's bullshit. This whole story is bullshit. I mean, I can't believe we're even to this point. But since we are, I'm going to say that Tom Brady gets the suspension completely removed. I just think it's too—the common sense to do that is just too real. It's just—it needs to be taken away. That's it. That's it. End this. And you know how you end it? You, you take that away. You take the suspension away from Tom Brady. A couple things you can't take away that happened over the weekend as I wrap it up. Uh, Alex Rodriguez, 3,000 hits. How about the kid who caught the ball? The kid who catches all the fucking balls. How about that? And he's tweeting about it like the night before. They say, hey, if you catch A-Rod's uh, 3,000 hit, which was a home run to right field the other way, what are you going to do with it? you Are going to give it back to him? He says, no way. would we'll never give it back to him. He doesn't deserve this. He caught it. He couldn't believe he caught it. I can't believe he caught it. I can't believe Alex Rodriguez has 3,000 hits, and I know that we all want to knock him, crush him, and portray the guy as if, you know, he's hanging around at playgrounds. Uh, His whole life. But the guy, he took a performance-enhancing drug a couple times. A lot of people did. I still want to give him some credit to his baseball talent. Alex Rodriguez, 3,000 hits. I acknowledge it. I hope you do too. Max Scherzer, no hitter. Could have been a perfect game, hit a batter. Ooh, I'm glad Max Scherzer gets a no-hitter though. About time we get some actual big-name pitches to throw the no-no's. Right? it's a good thing for no-hitters. Good thing for Max Scherzer. I'm here five days a week. DannyPicard.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like me on Facebook. You can get this podcast anywhere. Podcasts are available. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. Also, DannyPicard.com. Five days a week. I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.